Listening Dog Media. The Heel is Real podcast with Abby Eastwood and Debbie Mack. Welcome to the Heel is Real podcast. I'm Debbie Mack. And I'm Abby Eastwood. Our first guest is one of the original UK surgeons who took time to listen to women knocking on his clinic door regarding their symptoms and concerns that their implants were making them feel so unwell. He's explanted over 500 implants in the last six years. He is one of the UK's leading explant surgeons. It's the lovely David Floyd. Good morning, David. Morning, Debbie. Morning, Abby. So are you still seeing a trend in women with symptoms relating to their breast implants in your clinic? There's definitely an upgoing trend of more patients seeking removal of their implants. Uh, It's been growing over the last six years, probably 2016, I think I was first aware that there were a group of patients starting to think about removing their breast implants for a variety of reasons. And as awareness has grown, partly because of social media, more and more patients are stepping forwards and deciding to have their implants removed. Um, There are a variety of reasons. the biggest driver has been a group of patients who think they have breast implant illness. But also there's a group of patients who are aware of breast implant illness, don't have symptoms, but just think that maybe they'd never really like their implants anyway, and perhaps they can take them out. So uh, it, it covers a whole range of patient types. But this group who feel they have breast implant illness are by far the greatest number. And I, I see five, six or seven patients a week new patients who want to remove their implants. So in your experience, what are the most common symptoms of BII? So we have looked very carefully at this and we analysed our first 100 patients. And the most common symptoms were, uh, number one, aches and pains, just general arthritic type complaints, achy joints, achy back, achy neck, fingers, shoulders. Second most common symptom was chronic fatigue. and You know, some patients describe having to sleep much longer than usual throughout the day, having to sleep mid-afternoon, struggling to get out of bed. Um, I've actually had patients who were doctors who had to stop work because they were so tired they couldn't carry on with their job. Um, Third symptom is brain fog and memory loss. Um, A curious symptom, but patients seem to describe it as struggling to find the right words when they're speaking forgetting simple things like appointments they've made and dates and things like that. Um, The fourth symptom is mood disorders, anxiety and depression. Fifth one was hair loss. So it's quite interesting. Quite a few patients describe hair loss, which of course can be a symptom of the menopause as well. But there are a group of patients who aren't menopausal, who have implants, who are losing hair. And then finally, there's a big group of Patients who describe dietary uh, issues, food intolerance, um, dietary upsets, etc. So those are the main symptoms. And there are others. And, uh, you know, it covers a huge range. In fact, in the literature, there are over 100 different symptoms described as potentially part of the breast implant illness phenomenon. And when your patients have explanted, do they generally come back to you and say that they feel better after they've explanted if they have had the symptoms that they thought were related to their implants? So what's amazing about this condition and um, my experience of removing breast implants is that the overwhelming majority of patients come back incredibly positive having removed their implants. 
many of them describing a dramatic change of their symptoms. I've had a husband in the clinic sit next to his wife and said, she is a transformed person. It's like I've got my wife back. It's extraordinary. And that's a third party making an observation on a patient. It's not subjective. It's not in the mind. It's a really physical change. And I think the thing with some of these symptoms is one by one, they seem fairly mild. But when you add them all up in an individual patient, they're really physical symptoms. And they they really change people's capacity to do ordinary things. And every single day, I see patients come into my clinic. They look at me in the eye and they get it's the best thing I've ever done. I, I, I just feel completely different. It is an invisible illness, really, because I deteriorated very rapidly. And it wasn't until probably about a month or two before I explanted that I started to look really, really ill. Um, but for a lot of women, they look OK and they're going to the doctors and they're having tests and the bloods are coming back as normal. And the doctors are sending them away saying, no, you're absolutely fine. Yeah, and that's the that's been the problem. I mean, we need to be aware this issue has been here since the 1980s. It was recognised back then as a problem. And as a result, America stopped using silicon implants. And then all the studies showed there was no link. But the problem then and the problem now is that no single symptom is strong enough to warrant a diagnosis of any type. That's the problem. And so you don't quite make the diagnostic criteria for rheumatoid arthritis or for other types of arthritis, or for Sjogren's, uh, or for uh, scleroderma. You just don't, the, the, the symptoms just aren't quite big enough to make a firm clinical diagnosis. And therefore, the symptoms just are just seen as nonspecific, and, and therefore no disease label is attached to them. That's the main issue. But if taken all together, a whole group of symptoms in a single patient, it's, it can be quite life-changing. I mean, having gone through it myself, it it really is life changing. But when you do make the association, I think that's when you feel the relief and especially when you have them removed. Now, obviously, we, we had a chat before you came on the podcast and um, you said to me that you do get patients that come in and ask you if you think that BII, breast implant illness, is a real thing. So there are many sceptics about BII and many surgeons and physicians consider it that it's all in the mind, it's all psychological, there's nothing physical about it. But just the fact that I see patients uh, at their wit's end, they've been to the doctor, they've done all the blood tests, all the tests are negative, no one can attach a diagnosis to their symptoms. And they come in and they say, well, the only thing left to test is whether it's the implant or not. So let's take the implant out. And, and I always say to them, listen, there's no guarantee you'll get better. We can't promise anything. But very often they have a set of symptoms which match the last 100 patients I treated. So, you know, I quite often will say, well, look, all these patients definitely were better off after they'd taken their implants out. So I think we have no choice. You know, of the 500 patients I've treated, only one patient now has wanted to put implants back in. The other 499 would never, ever do it. And that says it all. That says they are so much better off without implants. Uh, than with them. So uh, asking is it a real condition or disease or not, I'm totally convinced because I see patients with really physical symptoms, real symptoms, 
And I see those symptoms really improve after you take the implants out. So as far as I'm concerned, there is a physical medical transformation in these patients once you take the implants out. And actually, all of my colleagues who are starting to do more and more explant surgery are equally becoming convinced. So that, that even the skeptics are beginning to realise that there is something in this. And yet, we still have no science to back it up. Well, it's great. It really is great that uh, people are starting to recognise it finally. Have you got any real standout stories from any ladies that you have explanted that really stick in your mind, the change from when they had them to when they didn't have them anymore? So, um, interestingly, I had one patient recently who uh, showed me a video that she had taken the day before her explant surgery, where she was describing her life and her general fitness. And she was saying that she basically slept 10 hours a day. She slept eight, nine hours at nighttime, another hour and a half in the daytime. She had brain fog and memory loss. She would make an appointment to go and see the dentist and then think it was on the wrong day and change it and then realize it was on the right day. And she was just confused in her brain and struggling to hold together normal everyday plans. And then she had her explant surgery. And then she sent me a video two weeks later, just two weeks, trying to describe what had changed. And she she said she'd just been out to a party the night before. And she said the idea of going out into a social environment and holding conversation with strangers would be completely alien to her before her surgery. But actually, she has the energy now. She sleeps six, seven hours a day. She has a full busy day charging around, running around with her kids and even to go out to a party in the evening. And she was just highlighting this as an extraordinary turnaround in the space of two weeks, having spent three or four years prior to that, almost housebound, not feeling sociable, unable to go out. Now, as a doctor, I find it very hard to attribute that transformation to a simple silicon breast implant. So I can't work out what's going on that causes that kind of transformation. But I hear that sort of thing from patients all the time. And I, I don't understand it either. I don't think we I don't think we've quite worked out what the what the background condition is that's causing this. Yeah, and that's why I mean it would be great if there could be some more studies on it to maybe try and see if we can work out why this phenomenon happens because it doesn't happen to all women. That's the thing, isn't it? It's not you know, some women have breast implants for years and are absolutely fine and it is a small minority of us that have this reaction to breast implants and go through this type of hell really yes i, I it definitely is a smaller smallish proportion we obviously don't really have the data i've done my best to estimate how many patients might get breast implant illness out of what data is available out there and i think it's in the order of five percent maybe probably less than five percent but there are a lot of women out there with breast implants you know, in America, 400,000 breast augmentations a year in America. Take that back 20 or 30 years. I do wonder whether there are women that will suffer with breast implant illness to the point where they deteriorate rapidly and they have to have their breast implants out and whether there are 
a group of people that are suffering low-level symptoms uh, where they have the brain fog and they have the fatigue, but it's not to the point where it's really interfering with their life. So they are just putting it down to busy lives, menopause, but would they actually feel better if they were not in? But they'll probably never find out. No, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I, I guess the obvious answer to that is there must be. There must be loads of patients still out there with low-grade symptoms that haven't made a connection, think it's just normal life. And obviously, the if we could just do one little blood test and say, you have these symptoms because of your breast implants, so let's take them out, wouldn't that be nice? But we don't have it. We don't amazing. have a biological marker for this condition. I know. I mean, that would be... That would be uh, amazing. And, I, you know, I've been talking to my some research colleagues. I've, I know some very clever prof- professorial type doctors who do lots of research on things. And we've been trying to work out how can we how can we look into this in a in a manageable, affordable uh, way so that we can get some form of answer out of this? Because, you know, we've got a, a, a self-appointed cohort of of patients who want answers. And if we could just find the right test to do, who knows, we might come up with something. So let's talk about the controversial subject of whether the capsule should come out or not. Um, Now, we are going to be talking about the capsule in detail in a future episode, but just to cover it quickly, um, for anyone that doesn't know, the capsule is uh, what is formed around the implant by your body to protect it, basically, from the foreign object. Now, some surgeons say it can stay in post-explant and others disagree. So what is your stance on that? So this is a very interesting and uh, controversial subject. Um, Actually, the whole breast implant illness journey began for me when one of my own patients, uh, who I'd put her implants in 10 years ago, came to me saying, I've been really unwell. I wonder if I've got breast implant illness. Can you take my implants out? And um, I knew her very well. And I thought, sure, you know, uh, if that's what you want. So I took her implants out, did an uplift. And three months later, she came back and said, you did take the capsules out, didn't you? And I said, "Uh, no, I don't think so. Why? And she said, well, because there's plenty of evidence in America that if you take the unless you take the capsules out, you won't get better. So in fact, we went back to surgery and I removed the capsules. And that was the first I'd heard of a concept of removing an implant capsule for health benefits. And obviously, subsequent to that, patients came one by one saying, but I want a total capsulectomy or the so-called on-block capsulectomy, which is essentially the online term of a total capsulectomy. And for many years, we would consider that once you remove an implant, that capsule just gets reabsorbed and disappears. But the reality, it doesn't. You go back a year or two years later and it's still sitting there. And when you take the capsule out and send it to the lab to be assessed, Every single capsule sample, they identify silicon particles within the scar tissue and they identify inflammatory cells associated with foreign material. And so essentially the capsule appears to be a a block of tissue with inflammatory cells in it and with foreign body silicon particles embedded in it. So if you were to think that breast implant illness is caused by a low-grade immune response, it's not a big leap of faith to think that it might be happening in that implant capsule and therefore to my mind it makes sense to remove it because then all the silicon contaminated tissue uh, is removed 
and you've removed as much of the potential stimulus to a low-grade immune response as you can. We've lately been aware, of course, of uh, the rare lymphoma, BIA-ALCL, breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma, which has been linked to a particular type of implant. And if that develops, it develops in the capsule. So if you really want to try and reduce patients' risk of developing that in the future, it feels like removing the capsule is the right thing to do. The operations are very different though, aren't they? You have on block or you can have an explant surgery. From my understanding of it, an explant surgery is very straightforward. You just open the, reopen the incision, take out the implant, but an on block uh, procedure is much more complicated and more lengthy, isn't it? That is totally correct. Yes. If you want to take an implant out, it takes 15 minutes each side. You literally open the breast up pull the implant out, stitch it up again. It's very easy. And five years ago, every patient having implants removed, that's what we would have done. But if you want to take the capsule out, then it's a little bit more complicated because you have to peel the capsule off the inside of the breast. You have to peel it off the surface of the pectoralis muscle. Or if the implants are under the muscle, you have to peel it off the ribs and you have to peel it off the undersurface of the muscle. So that can take up to an hour each breast. And it comes with more complications. There's a high risk of bleeding. There's a small risk of causing what's called a pneumothorax and letting a bit of air into the rib cage where the lung sits. And you get a partial lung collapse. That's obviously not a good complication, but it's relatively easily managed. And the surgery just takes longer. So it's longer under general anaesthetic. And you cause a little bit more scarring on the inside. And if you're not careful, you can get more, you can get some breast tissue distortion. So for all those reasons, we as surgeons would have chosen not to do it unless there was a recognisable benefit. And that's where the problem lies, because there is no clear evidence that taking the capsule out uh, confers any benefit to the patient. Um, and But we have a situation where the patients feel that that is the right thing to do and are requesting it. And some surgeons feel it comes with unnecessary complications and therefore shouldn't be done. My feeling as someone who's done a lot of this is that taking the capsule out is the right thing to do for the reasons I've explained. So since 2016, when you did your first explant, have you seen a change in how the industry is in regards to breast implant illness and if it's a real thing? Well, so um, as we've discussed, the, the whole concept of breast implant illness has gained traction since 2016 and now increasing numbers of patients are coming forward wanting their implants removed because they think they have symptoms of breast implant illness. But on the back of that, there are a group of patients who have breast implants who don't think they have breast implant illnesses, but they are concerned, but they just don't want their implants anymore. And actually, I'm seeing increasing patients who've had their implants for 10 years realise they've never really liked them. And now with the ongoing concerns related to breast implants, now want to take them out. And actually, they just realised that living with breast implants comes with a range of lifestyle compromises. You don't hug strangers. You don't sleep face down. The implants are always there. However well they're done, patients are always aware of them. And I hear patients time and time again, once they've taken them out, going, oh, my goodness, it's so nice to be me again. And, and I think 
patients with breast implants aren't aware of the compromises they're making in their lifestyle because of their implants until they take them out. And one of the tricky issues now for patients wanting breast augmentation is that we are obliged to tell them about the risks of breast implants. So we've always known that they only last for about 10 years. They can go hard with capsular contracture and they can rupture. But now we also are expected to explain to them that there is a small risk of this lymphoma, ALCL, a small risk, one in 24,000. There is now a notification from the FDA in America that some implants can cause another cancer called squamous cell carcinoma, and we're obliged to tell them about that small risk, even though we don't haven't quantified that risk. And then we're also advised to inform patients of the risks of BII. So once you've listed that catalogue of potential complications of implants, you can imagine that there are a, a group of patients who will at that point say, okay, maybe I won't have implants after all. So that has, I think the market is changing. I think we are moving away from big implants and fake breasts. There is a general trend away from large breast implants. I think most surgeons across the country will say they're using smaller implants now for their breast augmentations. Women also tend to have a fear of what they're going to look like after the surgery. Some have had their implants in for years and, you know, are very concerned that they're going to be left with what I was told by one surgeon as spaniels is. Now, I know, having spoken to you, that there are a lot of different techniques now. And I'd really like to touch on that subject because I think it's so important for women to understand that there are so many different avenues to go down instead of breast implants, but also once they're removed, what else you can have done to make yourself feel better? Yes, and that for many patients is a very big cause of concern. At the start of this whole evolution, I saw many patients who were des desperate to get their implants out because they were unwell, but their biggest fear was, but what am I going to look like? And of course, at the time, we hadn't, I hadn't done many explants. And therefore, it was quite difficult to reassure them uh, how they might look. Now, surprisingly, uh, we can get patients through explant surgery actually looking better than they did with their implants in the majority of times. So what's really interesting is if you're small-breasted, which, of course, many patients who have breast implants are, sometimes you just take the implants out and the breast and the skin recoils and just looks exactly like they did before the implants went in, even 10 years later. And if you'd asked me, would that happen before all of this, I'd have said there's no way. But yet it does. The skin recoils and very often the breasts look the same. And if you can take a few steps in the process to avoid tissue distortion, the breast skin sticking to the ribs awkwardly, then actually you can usually get patients to come out with completely natural looking breasts like nothing ever happened. That's the group with small breasts. Then there are the group who now have bigger breasts. Um, and if you take their implants out, they're a bit droopy. So you can do an uplift for those. And, and actually, I show patients, obviously, before and after photos when we have a consultation. And to be honest, by the time patients come to have their implants out, many of the breasts don't look great either. Sometimes the implants are a bit high, the breasts have dropped a bit, the whole shape isn't ideal. And if you take the implants out and do an uplift, actually they look better. So very often, if you look at the after pictures, they're actually all much more aesthetically pleasing than the befores.
I often think that when I look at the before and after pictures, that I, I do prefer the after pictures than when the implants were in. And it goes to show how often it is that breasts with implants don't look quite right or don't look completely natural. Breast augmentation is not a simple operation. And there are some excellent surgeons in the UK who do a really good job and and uh, and create very natural looking breasts with breast implants. And there is a real drive in the UK at the moment and around the world to get better at doing breast augmentation so the, the outcomes are better. But even so, there are many patients out there that, that don't have the best looking breasts with their breast implants and they look often just better when you take them out. So I had fat transfer after my implants were removed because I was definitely at the back of the queue when boobs were handed out. And I think that it's a really lovely option if you can afford it because it's basically keeping your body cells within your body. It's a very natural process. Is that something that you have found that women want more of as a procedure? Yes, uh, lipofilling or fat grafting is is a very successful procedure in my view. It's been around as a concept for the last 20 years or so. We were very nervous in this country to adopt it for the breast because breast cancer is very common. One in seven women in their lifetime will get breast cancer. And we were very nervous that fat grafting the breast might cause breast cancer. But in fact, as it's been introduced around the world and gained popularity, all the studies so far have shown no link between fat grafting and breast cancer. And therefore, it has started to take off in this country. We've got better at it over the years. More of the fat survives now. We get better outcomes from one single episode of fat grafting. And so very often I'll take implants out. And if patients decide that they're smaller than they want to be, they come back three or four months later to have a process of fat grafting. And sometimes we can get them just big enough with one episode. Sometimes they need a couple. The problem is sometimes is that the patients who have small breasts and have breast implants are often very slim and therefore finding enough fat to get a positive outcome from the fat grafting can be a challenge. Now, the reality is there is always some stubborn fat somewhere. The question is if you can find enough of it to make a worthwhile improvement. And as I often say to patients, you know, the smaller your breasts are, the less fat you need to make a difference. So, so actually, I'm starting to use fat grafting more and more. I try not to do it at the same time as taking the implants out because you can't put as much fat in as you would want. And I prefer to do it as what we call a stage procedure. So we take the implants out first, let the breast recover, and then come back three or four months later and do the fat grafting. And actually, I've seen some very successful outcomes from that whole process. And of course, by the time you finish with the fat grafting, it's just your normal body tissue. So your breasts are completely natural. They feel soft. Over your lifetime, you don't need more surgery because of them, because there are no implants. As you put on weight, the breasts get a bit bigger. As you lose weight, they get a bit smaller. They age with you. There are no real obvious downsides to fat grafting compared with the issues associated with implants. So it is really taking off. And in, in fact, what's really interesting now is I see patients coming to see me wanting breast augmentation and they end up deciding to have fat grafting instead of implants. And that is in part being driven by this movement in breast implant illness as well. So that's that's a really interesting transition. And it's all you. Yeah, it's all natural. And it's all you. And doesn't that feel like a, a, a wellness kind of approach to bigger breasts? 
A hundred percent. You know, we are we are we're we're in the middle of a wellness movement at the moment, aren't we? In general, people want to be healthy. Um, everybody's yeah. getting into wellness. They're getting into nutrition. They're getting into exercise. And uh, day in day out, I have patients coming. You know, I can't believe I put these implants in. I don't know why I did it. Um, and and I just want to take them out and be natural and be me again. And and so there's. I think we are heading in that direction and the idea of fat grafting definitely fits in with that sort of holistic, healthy approach. Well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today and get all your expertise on breast implant illness and what to do if you want to have your implants out and what the other options are. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on today um, and taking time to speak with us. It's a pleasure. The Heal is Real podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We are going to be chatting to more surgeons throughout the series. And don't forget to leave us a review on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at The Heal Is Real Podcast. See you soon.